da 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 You sound insane. You realize that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. It's showtime. Well, John Favreau is back in the director's chair. This time with Disney. And uh, this week he brings us The Jungle Book, the subject of this episode of Mad About Movies. Hello, Kent Garrison here, joined by my cohorts, as always, Brian Gill and Richard Barden. How Sups. are we doing? Hey, guys. I'm stellar. How are you, Kent? I'm good. Richard, you're in town right now. I am. I am in Dallas, I feel like Texas. You've been gone until... a lot recently. I I leave again tomorrow morning, so it's it's another day day trip. Up another to the, day uh, beautiful... in the life of Richard Barden. Mm-hmm. Beautiful <laughs> Oklahoma City. Any Oklahoma City listeners, you know, hit me up. We can uh, hit up Bricktown. We can we can stare at at a wall or something. Whatever there is to do in Bricktown, <laughs> but we'll do it together. Well, that sounds exciting. Toby Brian. Keith's place. Brian, what are you? Uh, hey. What have you been up to? Just uh, just getting ready for our big podcast here tonight. We're we're talking Raymond Felton for an hour and a half, right? That's, that's all <laughs> right, we're doing. That big Mavs but, win. That... Yeah, this is the Felton cast. I, okay, I think it's cool. the road to the I'm championship. Excited. I think they're going straight <laughs> to the finals now. Straight past the Warriors. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. guys. It's uh, it's sad. It's not sad. This is just what it's like to be a fan. It's I'm so stoked about that game. We are we're gonna lose the next three probably, but it felt it felt really good to just kind of you know get a win and feel like we don't totally suck and we kind of belong and so i'm sure that will dissipate over the coming week but that was fun that was a fun win it is playoff time but john favreau's jungle book has managed to distract us for the time being he did chef a couple years ago which we all enjoyed it seemed yeah looks like he's kind of aching to get back in the in the big money and Mm -hmm. uh, who couldn't blame him with the amount of money this made uh, over the past weekend huge Huge hit. Bigger hit than you expected, maybe? Yeah, for me. I didn't think it was going to... I didn't think it would get $100 million. I, I expected somewhere around 80 something like that. So it's sitting at 103 for the weekend and just under 300 worldwide. That's that's very impressive. Yeah, I didn't think it would do uh, that well. But then uh, the last week or 10 days or so, I started to get a feeling that it would take off. But two months ago, I thought it was going to be a bomb. So... Uh, I've kind of been all over the spectrum on this. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I'm assuming movie which shall remain unnamed is falling off significantly enough to where it might not appear in the top five in the next couple of weeks. I sent you guys a tweet, I think, yesterday from, uh, I think her name's Pamela McClintock. She works for THR, mm-hmm. and uh, she... Her tweet said something to the effect of Batman v Superman rounds out at about eight hundred and thirty million dollars. Uh, it's it's slowing down. It's not going to touch a billion at this point, which is that's that's huge. That's a big factor in all this, and it's going to make less than Zootopia did. So well, Zootopia is better. So I'm actually it, it not... is, but but think about that for a second. Like yeah. you have two of the five or ten biggest. Uh, cinematic characters of all time in a movie up against as 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 good as Zootopia is, and we all really liked it. That is a B team Disney movie because it doesn't have a, a princess or prince. It's not an existing property. Uh, I don't think Disney thought it was going to be as big of a hit as it is, judging by like the merchandising and things like that. And it's 
uh, it's crushing Batman v Superman. That's that's not good. That's not what you want if you're if you're Warner Brothers. Not at all. And who's to say Justice League would make a billion dollars if this didn't? You know? Yeah, that's a. I mean, that, it's hard to justify. To be, they have to be thinking about that at this point, if nothing else. Well, it's a little too late now to turn back, but right now the Jungle Book is here to stay. And big showing again this past weekend. It surprised me. I I didn't think it would. I thought it would be between fifty and eighty. I didn't think it yeah. would touch the hundred million. Um, but then again, there were things about this movie that I didn't expect, and I'm excited to talk about that later in the show when we talk more about the Jungle Book. But there are some movie news items to go over a little bit later. But we have some house cleaning first, and that house cleaning is the newsletter sign up is up, and we've had. Numerous people sign up in the past week. Uh, when are you guys roundabout expecting the first seven. newsletter to be released? The first newsletter will be released on May 1st. Okay, there you go. That'll be the first of the month. May not always be the first day of the month, but definitely the first couple days of every month uh, it'll come out. But the first one will be May 1st. As long as that isn't... Uh, hold on, let me make sure. I, yeah, I'm going to do some live. Yeah, actually, it'll be out May 2nd, because May 1st is a Sunday. So Monday, May 2nd, will be the uh, first Mad About Movies newsletter. And that content will be exclusive to the newsletter. We might link to some past episodes and things that you should be aware of, but most of that content will be exclusive to that. So don't check our Twitter. Don't go on our website or our Facebook expecting to see it. Subscribe to the newsletter. And uh, that's the perk. But we got a little movie news to talk about. And this pertains to some sequels. Numerous the term sequels. movie. The new. You're generous with the term movie. That's but. true. Okay. <laughs> Franchise. Yeah, I thought we case. all agreed we were going to only use film in regards okay. to this property. The picture is a great picture. You're talking about <laughs> now. You see me three, aren't you? Okay, because that's right. what I'm. Yeah. I'm referring to a talkie. Yeah. So, apparently, now you see me two is awesome because they've already <laughs> hitched their train to to John and M two. I mean, apparently, he's the chosen one for this. Universe. I should, I'll call it a MCU or uh, yeah. N- NYS MCU. <laughs> now you see me, Cinematic Universe. There you go. Perfect. So uh, this guy is a terrible director. Awful. I d- I'm not sure how I'm Make supposed to Lou react Lady to this. Look like uh, <laughs> like uh, Marty Scorsese or something. Is it? Do they look at the uh, you know the hype or the projections, and then they look at the social network numbers, and they say? You know what? Fans are reacting great to this trailer. You're on board, you know? Yeah. And yeah. that's really Gotta all they be. care about is kind of the hype and the initial push. And that's, I mean, what? how how do you explain John M. Chu? I mean, maybe it's because <laughs> they realize they couldn't get anybody else that's better. I don't know. Kent, you threw your hat in the ring, didn't you? Oh, I, I would direct it, and I would direct the crap out of it. That's for sure. <laughs> and trust me, the more you look. The less you'll actually see. <laughs> Kit just sent in like uh, a thirty-minute video of of Des Bryant and Jason Witten at Cowboys practice facility, <laughs> and the camera is just just on a constant circle, just all the time. He actually, it's a GoPro strapped to Des's monkey. It's actually a GoPro uh, strapped to a hula hoop that I had Des yeah. hula hoop, <laughs> and got the effects. The now you see me yes. patented Perfect. effect. That's yeah, the look. Perfect. People don't know about the the hula the hula hoop rig. Yeah, you have to be able to hula hoop to be cast in one of these. It's in the fine print, but Jesse Eisberg, expert yeah. hula hooper. 
What he did, heard us. Uh, he heard us talking about uh, Batman v Superman. He he nicked Kent. It's sad. <laughs> hey, Kent, really. Kent, can I come on as your GPS consultant? Because I have some thoughts. <laughs> we'll see how they play that in the new one. What if they bring back the GPS in the new one? How awesome would that be? Oh, well, we can wait. only hope. We can only can't hope. wait to revisit with you guys. I'm real. I'm more excited about that than I am any other movie this year, except for Rogue One. So, any thoughts on John M. Chu? Well, he's a terrible director. I mean, just you look at his filmography and it's just like, boy, that's that is not great. This is what confounds me about this whole thing. I know we live in a I know that 2016 Hollywood pumps out uh, sequel after sequel after sequel and reboot after reboot. And that's just kind of the the M.O. And that's what we that's fine. Like, I'm resigned to it. It is what it is. I can't think of a what is now a franchise. I cannot think of a franchise that makes less sense than a Now You See Me franchise. Can you guys, like, do you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't, I know it made a little <laughs> bit of money. It made, it made over 100, but, and 300 worldwide, but no one, no one cared about it. I don't feel like even people who came out of the theater thinking, yeah, that was fine. It was a good movie. Like, I don't think anybody was just dying to go back and, and revisit now you see me a second third fourth time it just i don't understand why this exists i'm glad it does because it will keep our show going for another three years but it just doesn't it doesn't make any sense and it makes even less sense to go ahead and be like you know the guy who did gi joe retaliation we need to give him a second one of these movies in the midst of not not stellar reviews coming out of uh the few screenings that that have come out so I don't understand what's happening at all, it, but it makes me happy. I'm glad it's happening because it'll keep us going and uh, it'll keep our Twitter feed full. Cause like I told you guys today, we will never for the rest of our lives have to ever look for any. Now you see me news because it will always be tweeted and or whatever the future of social media is, will be sent to us immediately. Like our feed blew up again today <laughs> with, with this news, which I love. It's, it's the best. It makes me, uh, love our our fan base even more, but it's just okay. It's, I don't understand. Listen, it. and just to clarify your point or hammer it home a little bit more. Now you see me. The first one made 117 million. Okay. Yeah. Right. Guess how much right. now you see me cost to make the first. Oh one? no. Um, fifty to fifty five million dollars. Richard. Hmm. I'm gonna say. Sixty-five million dollars. They spent seventy-five million dollars on. <laughs> oh now you see my me. gosh! And it Man. so it made one hundred and seventeen. I mean, it made almost fifty million dollars more than its budget, but that's not a huge hit. I mean, considering right. everything they've spent to get to that point, it's not like and, this thing made five hundred million dollars or a billion dollars right. out of, off a of fifty million or a twenty-five million dollar budget. I mean, this is not and, even. And a, who was talking about it? Who was leaving? <laughs> now you see me on opening weekend and going to tell their friends, guys. It's a great movie. You're gonna want to check it out before it gets spoiled for you. You've got to get out to the theater and see. Now, no one, no one said that. I, I don't. It doesn't make any sense. It's a, it's a really weird property to base a franchise off of. Yeah, it, it came in second to Fast and Furious Six, which made thirty-five yeah, how, million that first weekend. First of all, how dare you? How dare you think you can take on Fast and Furious? What? What are you thinking there? It went head to head with that, but it made more. It made granted a million dollars more than After Earth, 
which made twenty seven oh. million. Now you see me made uh, just over twenty nine million. So that's the world we were living in in two thousand and thirteen. Is that the second weekend of Fast Furious? It was May thirty first. Billion dollars. It was. It. I think it was two or three weeks into okay. Fast Six. Maybe two All weeks right. into Fast Six. Yeah. But still. You got mud down there in tenth place. Like, what the heck, guys? <laughs> you know. <sighs> what a Any weird thoughts on John M. Chu, Richard? Okay, so he's not the one that did. He's not John Woo, right? No. Okay. Then no, I don't have any. Okay. <laughs> we know his. I'm confused. We know his when work. When people's for... names rhyme, I'm. I don't. I confuse. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't. I mean, this is going to be bad, but it's going to be fun, bad, and I'm excited. Yeah, he's, he's done <laughs> quite a lot of work on the Step Up universe <laughs> and the, uh, uh, the uh, S U M no the yeah. S U C U excuse S-U-C-U. me S U C U yeah the uh, Suku. He's done multiple yeah, people forget that he did Justin for, that he did uh, Gen- and, Jim and the holograms just four months ago oh, that yeah. was a complete uh, abomination and disaster. He doesn't know that he did. He doesn't remember that. So that's fine. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> he doesn't. No, <laughs> Hollywood doesn't. Apparently, yeah. the people that matter don't. Yeah. I bet Chad Rykook's pretty excited about this movie because the Justin <laughs> Bieber connection. It's good. There's yeah, a. I'm, I'm still waiting for the sequel to Never Say Never. I'm just counting down the days. <laughs> <laughs> That's a movie that deserves uh, a sequel. But man. so we got that to look forward to. What Do we have a release date on that? Uh, No, we Next do not year. have an official release date. But I would assume. It's coming out this Christmas. came out in 13. This is 16. So, you know, 2018, 2019, you know. I can't wait. Can't, I can't wait. Can't wait. Gotta let so, the so you have that long of a of, of a podcast run to to deal with your listeners. Now, are, are they doing We've anthology films in this as well? <laughs> <laughs> Origin story of the Morgan J, Freeman's the character. J. Daniel Atlas. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I want the origin story of the carousel more than anything else. Just <laughs> how it was built. Just yeah, just going from rock to. Uh, I want to watch the movie uh, where Mark. The prequel where Mark Ruffalo's dad drowns at the end. And that's just how it ends, and then we go right back to the original trilogy. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> Only Mark Ruffalo's dad had magic, like Mark Ruffalo does. Kent, yeah. <laughs> have you seen Now You See Me since we saw it? Not all the way through, no. Okay. I've seen, I've, just I've seen vignettes, 15-minute really portions on TNT <laughs> about three times, but that's it. We've got to do it. We've got to do it as as a group. We need to come up with some kind of commentary or I, I don't know what we've got to do something right. Like this is a hallmark moment for our podcast. We did something and it's in the form of an episode. I'm mad about movies podcast dot com. We need to, we need to read it. Yeah, we need a part two or something. We were having a part, part two three this really year yeah, in the form of now you see me. But speaking of impactful franchises, guys. Mm, nice segue. That's why James you're Cameron is making right headlines again. Our favorite. I like James Cameron as a person. I like him. I think he's an a, a, a ambitious director. He's done a lot to forward the industry. But totally. a little bit of delirium has set in, I think, with these <laughs> Avatar movies. So he announced last week at CinemaCon four sequels. <laughs> not four movies. Not Avatar 1, 2, 3, and 4. Wait, wait, no. wait, hold on. Only four? Four sequels to Avatar that are planned currently. And this is what's being done now, or that's been confirmed. They're doing Avatar 2, 3, 4, and 5. 
And uh, all the meantime, they're doing an Avatar Land, I think, at Disney World or something like that to right, yeah. build it all up as a Pandora. You can go visit Pandora and all that. Right. So I'm under the opinion of, okay, yeah, maybe two or three years from now, people would see an Avatar sequel, and they'd be like, yeah, it was like Avatar in some ways. It wasn't Avatar because Avatar is Avatar. You know, that was like kind of a one-time thing, I think. And, uh, you know, they'll see that. Maybe the, the, the third one comes out and it's even less successful, you know, maybe makes, you know, three quarters of what the uh, second one made. And then by the fifth one, uh, I don't know. I just don't know. I, I think they're yeah. in over their heads. I, I would confirm the two, three, and then maybe even four, but five is just kind of, what are you even telling people? You know, if there, if we know there are five of these on the way, I mean, how much should we care? I just... This is a franchise, like I said, impactful that no one I know has talked about. No one has brought no. up Avatar to me since maybe the weekend after Avatar. And I don't <laughs> see that changing anytime between now and Avatar 2. Like everyone's going to be like, God, remember Avatar? Yeah, we do. Yeah. And we've moved past it. We've all agreed. You know, um, you know, I, I agree. It has done a lot for the industry and did, you know, sure. some good yeah. 3D stuff and and some stuff for mocap and things. But, uh, you know, I think that's what it stands for, not as a franchise that people want to stick around and learn more about. Does that make sense? People are just kind of in, in awe of the spectacle more than right. lost in this universe, I think. No, I totally agree with you. It's it's a, it's a strange phenomenon to have. It's the biggest film of all time. After having watched uh, Force Awakens not reach that that level, I think it's probably the biggest film of all time for, you know, like another hundred years. I mean, it's until not going to Until you now, you see me three. Right, right. <laughs> After now, you see me two is 100% on Rotten Tomatoes, yeah. <laughs> and then it just, the hype just goes, oh, what man. if that happened? Uh, gosh. But I no, hope that it's, it's really odd to have a movie that big that has this little cultural relevance and impact. Like the movie came out in 2009, you know, it's still, I think if, if we were talking 3d movies, if, if someone said, what's the best top five 3d movies you've ever seen? I'd say, well, I, I don't really care for 3d. I'm not that big of a fan of that, but you know, avatar. Absolutely. That's a, you know, that was an experience unlike any other. And it's really cool, but great. Like that got me to the theater and it got me to the theater probably twice. I think. If, if I'm remembering correctly, but that's not going to get me to the theater for the second, third, fourth, and definitely the fifth time. I mean, the fifth, the fifth movie is scheduled to come out in 2023. Like that's a really long time between since the first avatar. And there's going to be like a nine year gap between one and two. I just, I'm sure that these will make money, but they're not going to make $2 billion money or maybe even $1 billion money. And, as soon as you get past the spectacle of Avatar and the, uh, you know, the technological advances, which that's, again, is what they claim is part of the reason why it's taken so long to do the second one is they're waiting for technology to develop. And that's that's great. But once you get past that stuff with Avatar, you get to a movie that has a C minus script and pretty weak performances just kind of wrapped up in some really stunning visuals. And that's not, I don't know. I don't think that's going to compete with whatever Marvel is pumping out at that time or star Wars, or, you know, maybe even, uh, 
Batman stuff. You know, it's it's, it's an odd. It seems very well, odd to put yeah. this much stock into a movie that we kind of all. I don't think. I mean, it's it's got to be ninety to ten, ninety percent to ten percent in terms of like. I don't think this is gonna be that great. I don't understand how we're gonna get five more movie, four more movies out of this. Yeah, it's it's confusing. Richard, any immediate thoughts to this? I mean, it. They better know it's great. I mean, for for that type of commitment, and maybe they do, and maybe they're sitting on something awesome, and it's going to blow our minds all over again. And I hope they are because it's awesome. But uh, you know, for everyone that says, uh, you know, the, hey, it's going to be great. George Lucas is involved. I mean, James Cameron is involved. <laughs> Remember, we said the same thing about George Lucas before the prequel. Right. So, I oh, mean, yeah. he is oh, capable of all of a sudden falling off a cliff. Doesn't mean he yeah. will. Hope he doesn't. But. You know, when when directors are in their 50s and 60s, it's it's hard to say it will be good because they've only made good movies because eventually they don't. Right. Um, Especially one like this where, you know, like I said, Avatar, I think we all agree as a film, not as an experience, as a film, Avatar is not that great of a movie. I mean, it's pretty unobtainium, you know, I mean, there's a lot of stuff in that movie that's just very, very cliche and cliche and and kind of uh like really low level film schooly in a lot of ways and it's just you i know for me i was totally sucked in on avatar the first time i saw it i came out just blown away because it is such an incredible experience but like by the time you've seen it a second or at least you know definitely a third time you you really are not it has, and it has no outside of theater um yes and, and honestly either you know what else has kind of been in the same boat is gravity yeah Totally. Think about the last time you really thought about gravity. Like I think about movies... gravity ten times more than I think about Avatar. As far as all right, good. A, a a movie and B changing the way I saw films. I mean Avatar. I mean Avatar blew me away, but then Gravity came, and now like the first thing I think about when I think of incredible visuals and you know groundbreaking effects is Gravity. Honestly, since Avatar, like if Gravity hadn't come, Avatar would be it. But I think Gravity's like taking its place pop culturally and like the what you can do, mm. you can, how you can push the boundaries of uh, CGI. But I was just looking at the list of all-time uh, highest-grossing movies. And, of course, Avatar sits at the top at $2.78 billion. Gosh. And uh, Titanic is number two. So Cameron's got the number one and two of all time. But then you go down, and ev- almost every single thing on the list – is some kind of franchise or property that you would say there's a huge fan base for already. So yeah. if we go to number three, it's The Force Awakens. Huge, hugest fan base probably there is. Mm-hmm. And number four is Jurassic World. Big, big fan base for Jurassic Park. <clears throat> and then we go to The Avengers, Fast and Furious, another Avengers, Harry Potter, Iron Man. And then we go to Disney with Frozen. And then James Bond with Skyfall and Transformers and Batman and Pirates of the Caribbean and then more Pixar. And we get all the way down here. And I had to scroll pretty far down to find a property that kind of qualifies this. Maybe the the only property on here that's not like culturally impactful, maybe maybe more than Avatar, but Inception at number 51 um, is uh, $825 million. And so I had to go all the way down there. And then at number 53 is Independence Day, which we still do talk about that more than Avatar. Every oh, year we talk yeah, about Independence definitely. Day. No question. 
And then yeah, no down question. at 62, we have 2012, which no one has thought about 2012 and <laughs> since 2012. Yeah. But uh, Deadpool is in at 63, and then more Disney movies, Maleficent and the Amazing Spider-Mans and Mockingjays and those round out the uh, the more. I mean, I'm just saying almost everything in the top 100 is like, oh, yeah, you can justify it by like the amount of mm. fan base they have, the amount of hype, the amount of merchandising, the, you know, all the above. Yeah. And Avatar is just up there at the top. It's like, what? You know, it was it's big for a year really and, and it got some Oscar yeah. buzz, but that's all anyone remembers about it. It's just, it's strange. And uh, yeah. just financially, do you think this is safe? I, I mean, we've talked about the story and we know that he's writing all the screenplays at once. So that's going to be one big story. So that, that could be a good thing. Maybe that it maybe will be a better story than Avatar. If it's going somewhere, sure. I don't, maybe, I don't know. I just, I don't know. It just what feels mighty prequely to me. I'm getting mm-hmm. my prequel Spidey sense. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It would be hard for these movies not to make money, but but I, I kind of feel like they're going in thinking maybe it's not going to make Avatar money, but it's definitely going to make uh, Avengers money. And I don't I don't know that that's the case. Certainly, once you get into Avatar 3 and 4, but the only thing that could change this uh, is is the Disney World thing. Because that, yeah. that really... I... You know, I'm a big Disney guy, and I think I felt like that was a uh, a strange pull for them. I thought that was kind of off brand in a way. But I, you know, I you see kind of what they're going for in the construction and Disney World for whatever you want to say about Disney as a company and uh, and all of that. It they they do spectacle better than anybody. Uh, and so if you're if that turns out to be a hit with the the ability to kind of to travel through Pandora like that um, as a, you know, here's my day off from Star Wars land and Pixar land and all that other stuff. Then, then that could translate into a, bu- to a boom for, uh, for that, the, the film franchise. But I just don't, I, I wonder what they're spending on all this behind the scenes with the technology and all that. Cause we know avatar costs a ton to make just because it took so long to, to get everything put together and if they're doing the same thing again with this it's a it's a risky proposition i'm not i'm not convinced i'm not totally out on this as a whole i just think coming out and saying hey here's the next four movies that are going to come out over five years and they're going to start nine years after the last one it's just that's i don't know that that's going to go the way they think it is yeah what we've seen with james cameron in the past and you know it's with terminator and titanic and avatar is that when he makes films, he reinvents how movies are made. And if sure. he can reinvent how films are made with Avatar 2, then he'll have my respect and it'll be worthy of the money it'll make. I just mm-hmm. don't I just don't know how he's going to come that far in uh, this amount of time. But we'll see, you know. I, I couldn't have predicted the effects I saw in in Avatar. So sure. who knows what what he's got up his sleeve. But any other movie news you guys got? That's all I got. That was a, it's been a pretty slow uh, couple of days since we last recorded. We should say rest in peace, Doris Roberts. She was a delight. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's tough. We have a director announced for Jurassic World 2, and that director is J.A. Bayona, who directed The Impossible. Brian? Yeah, I'm trying to remember. I don't think I've seen The Impossible. It's the hurricane. I mean, the uh, yeah, tsunami that, movie. Right. I think we talked um, what's about the other that thing at one he's point. done? He, he's done something else that I think I have seen. I can't remember. I gotta look oh. up, look him up here. 
J.A. Bayona. I know Trevor O was tweeting about him today. Oh, he did the, is it the orphanage? Is that? Yeah, the orphanage is pretty creepy. Yeah. All right. You know, I, I haven't seen the impossible. He's doing a monster calls this year, which could be a really interesting property. That's based on a beloved book. Um, so that could be, that'd be cool. I, you know, I think, I think Jurassic World kind of proved, um, you know, this all you is have a, to do is put dinosaurs on a screen and people. Will yeah. Come and I, I don't think this is the property. I don't think this is the franchise where, uh, aspiring great filmmakers run to like, do their their big blockbuster film it's the place where you, you go to to get paid and make a fun-ish movie and you know maybe then you get a star wars movie after that or something one more thing to discuss and it pertains to the jungle book is that john favreau is back in the fold at marvel have you heard about this no what's have, he doing i have not john favreau's back and he will be executive producing the final avengers movies all right. That's cool. I like that. That's a cool role yeah. for him. So further proof to the notion of him wanting to get back into the into the big boys business. That's fine. Yeah. It, it's just yeah. g- good to see, I guess, that there was no bad blood between him and Marvel when he left for, you know, after Iron Man 2. And I think that was made apparent when they put him in Iron Man 3 a lot. <laughs> he was basically an actor yeah. instead of a director. Sure. And I think he just had spent so much time on Iron Man and Iron Man 2. You know, that was probably six years of his life right. working he on those two movies. Make, uh, Cowboys and Aliens. Which, make Cowboys you know, and Aliens and do Chef. And, the perfect film, I think. So, let's, you know, good time off. Yeah, film is the correct term for that. <laughs> that one still seems weird to me. Like, that should have been a really fun, if not good movie, and it is, it is neither of those things. Yeah, Olivia Wilde has said in recent weeks, she's been interviewed for... Uh, vinyl i believe on hbo and she said about cowboys and aliens she's like yeah everyone knew that it had no chance because it was called cowboys and aliens like everyone knew that it was like a kind of a campy thing that they were getting themselves involved in and i guess favreau thought he could elevate it past it just took itself so seriously in the movie which was weird Like, it could have been fun especially with his sensibility (laughs) that paul dano character that's like really like Oscar-y, you know, it's kind of yeah. like in the middle of Cowboys and Aliens, he's like a drunk and like belligerent and really good acting. Like, why is this? Why are there now? Why are there aliens after I just saw, you know, <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand. But uh, Favreau's talented. That's just kind of a maybe a blurry yeah. eyes. Oh, yeah. Maybe yeah, blurry we, all, eyes. we all have our mistakes. Yeah. Mine's being on this podcast. So, <laughs> well, not anymore. No. <laughs> I have the Sahil, big you're in. Sahil. <laughs> yeah, Godwin, hit us up. Yeah. <laughs> Kent pulled a lever and I fell down a quarry. Hey, ma'am, fam, question for you. Do you own a small business or are you a boss? Are you looking to hire awesome people, but you just can't find somebody to fill that role? Well, let me tell you about ZipRecruiter.com. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100 plus job sites all with one click. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. Right now, you can post your jobs for free on ZipRecruiter by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. That's ZipRecruiter. Dot com slash mad. One more time, try it for free. Go to ziprecruiter.com slash mad. Thanks to ZipRecruiter 
for supporting this episode of the Mad About Movies podcast. All right. Well, without further ado, let's talk Jungle Book. Look for the bare necessities, the simple bare necessities. Forget about your worries and your strife. I mean the bare necessities or Mother Nature's recipes that bring the bare necessities of life. Brian, general thoughts. Strong to quite strong, I would say, gentlemen. This is, uh, you know, I'm on record as I'm not a big fan of the live action Disney movie slash fairy tale like Alice in Wonderland and Maleficent and uh, all that kind of thing. Not a big fan. Uh, it's, it kind of it feels tired when it's on the screen because it, it typically seems either too much like the classic that we all know or like it's just being wacky and zany or dark and serious to to directly go against what was in the previous film uh the animated feature typically i liked cinderella i think we all kind of enjoyed that more than we expected we would but even that for me was like a b plus kind of kind of a movie um this one i was a little bit torn on coming in because jungle book's one of my i don't know three or four favorite Disney movies of all time and uh but it looked really good and Favreau I'm a big fan of Favreau and and we just talked about it a little bit obviously Cowboys and Aliens is a down spot but um I loved Chef Chef was one of my top 10 of that the year that it came out whatever that was 2013 or 14 and I think that was really good for him to be able to go out and do a small film and do something that was kind of a passion project and just uh let him kind of yeah, and just eat and and uh, hang out with ScarJo, you know. And I mean, Sophia strong, Vergara, strong move. Yeah. yeah, it's just it just a strong move for him. But no, I think that kind of reinvigorated his filmmaker sensibilities because he'd kind of come up as a. Uh, this was the next big voice in in smaller filmmaking, not necessarily the blockbuster. And then he got tied into so many blockbusters, and he's good at them. He's very good at them. Uh, but I think it was a really important move for him to go to step away and do something small and and close to his heart. Um, the visuals for this movie are just uh, just otherworldly. I mean, it's yeah. it's unbelievable how good this stuff looks. Uh, it there are times when I I forgot I was watching a blockbuster super CGI type movie and kind of kind of fell into that moment where you like I thought I was watching the Discovery Channel or something you know something like Planet Earth uh it's just so so visually appealing and realistic the way that all the animals look and the movement uh it took a little bit I don't know if you guys had this experience the first like 10 minutes of the movie it kind of took took a little bit for my eyes to catch up to the the speed of the film it was almost like the was it the Hobbit that did that high frame rate yeah uh yeah. When it first came out, it was almost like that. Like it was. Did you it see was this in 3D? Bit... No, I didn't. I did not. Oh, okay. Um, because I am opposed to 3D. I, I thought about it because we did get some recommends saying you need to see it in 3D, but the movie time worked out for me better at 2D, and I, gotcha. I tend to lean that way anyway. But, uh, but yeah, it took me a little bit to catch up to it, I guess, or my eyes to catch up to the speed. But once it did, man, it was. I was super blown away and impressed by by the way it looks and and uh the way that that the move that it moves through the entire story um you know there's a little bit of of fan service here and there uh, and that's it, it was fine uh i thought i thought the kid and uh, i got to look up his name i didn't have that, that his name is neil here. sethy 
Okay. I thought he was up and down, as you might expect from a, an eight-year-old or whatever he is. Uh, I don't. I, mean, I expect excellence. Okay. He, I guess he's he's 12. Uh, I thought he was a little up and down. I think some of the worst moments of the movie that I don't think there was anything that's that's bad, but I think some of the the, the lower moments were kind of him, obviously being a, a ten or eleven year old reacting to a green screen. Yeah, reactionary like, stuff with kids. I was yeah, exactly what exactly. I was going to say. Yeah. There's a moment in here where he says the line, and I quote, "Wow, elephants!" And I was like, "Right, oh, right." God. Yeah, that was, that was kind of rough, you know. So there's a couple of things. There's a few things that are a little too cutesy. Um, and that's fine because this is a PG movie and it's based on a beloved kids movie and all that stuff. But this is not a kids movie. Like I didn't take Cooper to see it because I I, I thought he would be afraid uh, of a lot of the visuals and stuff. And so, you know, I probably could have done without some of the the real cutesy stuff with the with the baby wolves and uh, the little mice and and things like that. But overall, man, I really enjoyed it. This is a you know, Rudyard Kipling is obviously one of the, the greatest writers of uh, of his time. And I enjoyed that this took, you know, this movie follows the path of the Disney animated movie pretty pretty well, but it did take some, some uh, tangents here and there to kind of explore a little bit different path than, than what the animated movie done. And I like that it kind of kept it fresh and didn't get to a point where I just felt like I knew every single step that was about to come, you know? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot. It's a. I think it's a very good movie. I'm going to be pretty high on it on my grade. And but a lot of that will be due to uh, uh, to visuals and the fact that Bill Murray is playing a cartoon bear singing a great song. So that that doesn't hurt, right? I mean, like right. anytime your movie's not doing well, just I don't know. Maybe just have Bill Murray show up in a cameo singing Bear Necessities, and I think it goes up a grade just right off the bat. So it was. I'm, I I like this. I'm a fan. Richard. Speaking in generalities, what are your thoughts? Yeah. Yeah. So like I'm, you know, like Brian, this is always something I think I don't like. And then uh, it turns out now two in a row I've really liked because I like Cinderella sure. quite a bit. And I like this a lot. And, uh, you know, it's it's uh, if, if uh, you know, I've I've read the Jungle Book. I haven't read too many. That's what I was going to ask you about classes, Rudyard Kipling yeah. and all that. You know, it doesn't uh, it doesn't totally honor. um it nor should it because that would make a pretty uh bad popcorn film <laughs> right but it does just enough it kind of you know alternates between honoring that and honoring the original disney film in in, in really a neat way and i think it really walked that tightrope perfectly and i think of you know there will be better movies this year mm-hmm. um i hope because i don't think it's perfect but it, it's very good i don't know if there will be anything that is this difficult to pull off yeah and that's true and uh, so, like, just, you know, it's like judging uh, judging figure skating or diving or something, you know, like for degree of difficulty, I give it a higher grade than I, I would uh, just normally because uh, it really, really worked with something not only technically really interesting, but narratively and uh, uh, audience wise interesting. It took a brave thing because it's you're right, Brian. It's not really for kids. It's a family movie with some pretty scary stuff in it. But uh sure. And handle it oddly gracefully and everything is just kind of note perfect in terms of straddling the line it's just it's mm-hmm. it's all the best parts about disney of like being really smart you know without without any of the bad parts about disney of being like kind of oversensitive or over something i thought it was 
I thought it was a really, really fun uh, summer movie. I liked it. I expected to like it after seeing um, some trailers and some other stuff this week, but I actually liked it more than more than I even thought I would. Yeah. I mean, I always think about the Planet of the Apes franchise, the new Planet of the Apes franchise, mm-hmm. as, as sort of the pinnacle That's of funny what yeah. you can do with animals and motion capture. Sure. And I had thought that with Rise of the Apes and Dawn of the Apes that, like, man, this technology is, it's arrived. Like, this is proof. But, man, The Jungle Book might be the movie that makes it, that you look back yeah. on and be like, that's where it, that's where it was really yeah. 100%. Because, I mean, these, I had a hard time even deciding, is that practical? Is that completely CG? Or is that mocap? And apparently sure. a lot of this is mocap, and it's so well done, like, even with, Shere Khan and and uh, and Bagheera and everybody. I mean, that's a lot of that's mocap when they're speaking and everything. I just don't see how they. I'm really interested to see how they pulled this off because I mean, like you said, it's so ambitious. But it's one thing to say, okay, we're going to go to the Amazon for three weeks and shoot a bunch of outdoor scenes and you know get some CGI animals, but to do this whole thing in CG is a whole another animal. No pun intended. Right. You know, I mean, it's just, <laughs> I mean, the, yeah. the yeah. amount of animation, the amount of detail that has to go into this, the amount of texturing and the amount of just scoping that these animators have to do is, it's mind I, I think ILM was probably involved here. <laughs> uh, they're the Disney Favreau people, you know, the people who would do it. And and uh, so, man, this is maybe the best work I've seen in years from from ILM, you know, outside of Star Wars and science fiction and things like that. Uh, this was extremely impressive. Something that worried me, though, and going into this, I think it worried the studio, too, because I did not know how the talking animals were going to work at all. I yeah, was me, worried yeah. about that. Totally. I was nervous about it. And the studio was, too, because, you know, I think there's only one trailer where maybe one or two of the animals speak at all. It's mainly just footage of Mowgli running and then animals here and there with music and then Jungle Book comes at the end and you get the point. You don't really have to do much to know what it is, but I think they were nervous about that and I was nervous and and the movie started and came and I think the first animal speaks within six seconds at the beginning of the movie. And I think that's the right way to do it. You have to do it immediately and get over the Mm -hmm. fact that it's weird that these animals are talking and just move on with it, you know? And and uh, experience the rest of the movie like it is. And I'm glad they did that. They didn't wait for the reveal of the animal's talk, you know. It was like yeah. right at the beginning. You see Mowgli, and then he turns around at Bagheera, and they're, they're talking, you know. I thought that was an extremely smart choice uh, by Favreau. Totally. Totally agree. But speaking of choices by Favreau, this movie really, I think, takes off in the casting. I mean, this is just perfectly cast, voice acting, and... I mean, I was skeptical about Christopher Walken, but then you see it and you see what they did with it. And like, wow, that really kind of fits the character and what they were going for. You know, there's kind of a lot of yeah. some of these casting choices. Like, how is that going to how is Scarlett Johansson going to work as the snake and as Ka? And it because he's uh, a male in the cartoon and you're what is going on. But um, the execution, I mean, you got to give Favreau credit for the for the vision. But execution was great. What did you guys think about the casting? I loved it. I thought, look, this is a great cast, and uh, and they're put in the right role. You know, we asked for feedback on Twitter. And we got a lot of people saying that the the walk-in scene was was kind of cringy, and I get that. I think 
you know, I can see where those people are coming from. I actually thought I was prepared for it. One of my friends had texted me and said that scene is really bad and we just should stop letting Christopher Walken sing. I thought it was kind of great in a in like a weird way, like the the way that they uh, shaped the 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 sing song voice and kind of let him. They did it in a way that he can do it, you know, because we all like it wasn't all, really completely that singing. Live He's kind Peter of sing talking a little just, bit. Yes, he wasn't singing. It's yeah, it's sing talk, and and, mm-hmm. and I thought no, that totally. worked well for for the the character and and uh, having having King Louis be that uh, monstrous on screen kind of I think probably distracted a little bit from um, whatever whatever Christopher Walken had to be lacking in his in his voice quality. But no, like uh, Ben Kingsley was awesome. Yes, um, he was so good. He, I, he did I, a fantastic. I, job I didn't remember that. that was him, and I kept yeah. thinking I was like. After, I thought it was Ray Fine. Yeah, Bagheera's is in like the first scene or a couple scenes, and then he goes away for a while. And yeah. I kept thinking, I was like, "Was that Ben Kingsley?" And he came back, and I thought, it, you know, I thought it was. And then, like, I just kept thinking, "Like, man, if that's Ben Kingsley, what a great choice for that character," you know. Uh, and yeah. it was. And yeah, again. Yeah, that was great. And and Idris Elba. Uh, uh, would it be weird if I said this might be like his best work of all? Like, I I was. It's the only okay, accent this... he's done that's been convincing. I'll say that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it reminded me a lot of even his actual speaking voices, right? Like, yeah, uh... who even knows? He he's yeah. confused now too. Uh, it reminded me a lot of of Amy Poehler with Inside Out last year, where I I truly thought like that was beyond the fact that it was animated and its voice work. I thought it was an incredible performance, and and Idris Elba gave that this year for me. Like I just. I was kind of scared. Like I was, I was so glad I didn't bring my kid to watch it whenever Shere Khan was on screen. And that's a lot to do with the visuals, but it, I think Elba really put a lot of, uh, I think he got that role really well and put a lot into, to the voice. And, uh, so I was super impressed with that. And again, Bill Murray was awesome. And Bill Murray is, is, uh, my favorite person in the entire world. Uh, sorry to my, my wife and kids and family and friends. And he's also, we all know, American Treasure Bill Murray, by the way, he will put out five bad movies to every good movie that he does, and it doesn't matter. Like, he's like the one person who is kind of immune to just terrible films like Rock Casbah or whatever else he's done recently because he's just so stinking cool. And he shows up, and this is absolutely the perfect way to use uh, Bill Murray in a, in a movie like this. I, I was seriously just like, Smiling from ear to ear, pretty much every scene that yeah. Lou is in it. I mean, it was he, so... he is so he is so good at voice acting. Why doesn't he do yeah. more voice acting? Well, Garfield. Garfield. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, that's. A, I mean, he made money off that. He, he can't. He can't say it was. I mean, yeah. he probably spent a week doing it or whatever. But right. I mean, this guy could have a second wife in just the voice acting world. I I would think. Uh, you know, Idris Elba is moving towards that. I think he'll get a lot of voice work. And Polar and Bill Hader has moved towards that. But, I mean, he was a delight. He was an absolute delight as this bear. And, you know, that some of that has to do with the animation. But yeah. some of the scenes where Baloo is climbing up the side of the mountain and, like, scared. And, I mean, it's just <laughs> so funny and sad. And, and I mean, it's it just it, – he did more with that character than I ever thought was possible. I thought Baloo was just, like – like if if you had given me and said who do you think Baloo will be in the new Jungle Book I'm like oh John Goodman you know like you just think he's this yeah, big like yeah. burly or, hoo, 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 kind of character sure. and they took it a complete kind of 
what about mm-hmm. Bob direction with Baloo? And it's it was a great choice. I I enjoyed Baloo a lot more than the cartoon character of Baloo. I think they he took liberties with a lot of these characters and improved on it. We had a a listener and I want to get to some of the listener comments. By the way, you can tweet us at MAN underscore podcast. We'll take comments before shows and oftentimes we will uh we will get to them. So Brittany Bohady says it's easily her favorite Disney live action reboot. It feels similar and fresh, not just a cheap cousin of the animated version. And she says Cinderella was good, but it wasn't like this. This is the first time that one has equaled to or surpassed its animated counterpart. What is your response to uh, Brittany's assumption there that this is maybe the first time Disney has outdone themselves in one of these? Because we got a lot more of them to come. Yeah, I think she's right. I think this is the the. Uh, I like Cinderella too. I like. Uh, I'm sure there's others that I've that have been fine in this genre. But Alice I, in Wonderland. No, I hate Alice in Wonderland. That that That's movie just can one die. Of them, I'm just uh, saying. Yeah. No. Um. No. Like this is. It's because they took it in a fresh direction. It's because Favreau had. I think Favreau had a, a very clear concept for what he wanted this movie to be, and it wasn't just let's do the Jungle Book live. Like let's. No, instead, like, let's really, let's recreate this story and uh, let's do it with uh, a fresh taste and in a completely different way. The, the, the visuals really set this apart. And the fact that, uh, just, I'm going to play off what you said, Kent, the way they were able to, that Favreau and company were able to use incredible voice talent, but to match it to uh, these mocap or CGI animals on screen, that's a tremendous that's a tremendous degree of difficulty to pull that off and I thought they did it incredibly well. This is uh I'm I'm like I'm I'm like higher on it now than I was walking out of the film just talking to you guys about it. like I'm getting more and more kind of pumped I, yeah. about it. I would actually see this again pretty soon. Oh yeah. Like, I, I don't totally. say that a lot, but there's a lot more that I want to look at and mm-hmm. talk about. I mean the environments here are mind-blowing. I mean the settings were great like the little castle that King Louis lives in was incredible. The ruins yeah. and everything. I thought that looked straight out of, I don't know, indoor or something. I don't know what it was. You know, I mean, it sure. looks otherworldly. It was great. Mm-hmm. And I mean, just the amount of computing power that this takes to make is mind boggling. I, I saw that to render <laughs> Baloo, just Baloo, it took five hours per frame of film Jeez, to man. render Baloo that's alone crazy. because of the amount of Ooh. hair and detail in uh, the animation of Baloo. I mean, that's just one creature. This must have, I mean, they must have had to start rendering this thing out a year ago or two years ago to uh, have it be done on time. I mean, that's incredible. But we have a comment from Heather Harding. She says, love the movie. It looked beautiful, but Scarlet was the only distracting voice for her. Did we find any voices jarring? I didn't find her distracting. It's only really in one kind of vignette scene that we get Ka very much. Yeah. And I didn't find it distracting. And Scarlet has the most soothing voice <laughs> on earth. So I could listen to her talk in surround sound uh, every day. But I didn't find it, it- jarring. I, again, I mean, I don't think I've said this, but I haven't seen the Jungle Book in a while. I didn't watch the original one before this. You know, I'm familiar with it. Of course, I've seen it uh, numerous times in my day, but I, I mean, I didn't watch the Jungle Book and then go see this. So I don't know. I, it wasn't that sure. jarring for me. It just felt like a natural, a natural fit for this world. How did you feel? 
Uh, that was the only one to play, to go with what Heather said. It didn't bother me. It wasn't uh, distracting, quote unquote, but it was hers was the only character, the only voice where I was keenly aware the whole time that's Scarlett Johansson doing a voice, not that's Baloo or that's Bagheera or whatever, if that makes sense. Like, I, I, I never felt like I was watching... Ka the snake I just was kind of listening to Scarlett Johansson's voice which is fine I'm not I'm not complaining about that it just and it is I think that's kind of the weakest scene in the whole movie uh which is a little disappointing because Ka was a little bit of a I think was a better character in the animated movie but the whole yeah 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 exactly but the whole bit of like look into my eyes and I'm gonna show you the past like I thought I thought that was a little MacGuffin-y that was probably the the one spot in the in the film and in the script, especially where I kind of felt like that that didn't necessarily flow the way the rest of the movie did. Like that didn't that didn't capture me, I guess, the same way most of the the rest of the film did. Yeah, John Favreau says he made Ka a woman because he said there weren't enough women in the Jungle Book. So oh. I have no problem with that. No, no, change. that's fine. Yeah, he's trying to bring some versatility or diversity to this uh, this universe. That's fine with me. But I thought the reveal of Ka was cool. How how Mowgli's kind of wandering about the woods in the darkness, and you see all the trees, and you hear her voice, but you don't see Ka. And the, I mean, there were people in the theater. I was in a freaking packed theater for this, and people were kind of looking around and pointing at different parts of the screen, like I see the snake, you know. Yeah, I know that was a clever way to do yeah. that kind of eye <clears throat> spy, if you will. Mm-hmm. So uh, I like that. Um, I liked his edition, uh, Favreau's edition of kind of putting characters in the movie that were in the book, but weren't in the original jungle book. Mm-hmm. For example, I think the porcupine character voiced by Gary Shandling, rest in peace, his last Man. on-screen role, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Icky, the oh, porcupine. You guys finished the pod. I'm going to go cry. <laughs> yeah. But I think John Farrow did a good job of kind of melding the original novel. And Richard, maybe you can attest more to this. You said some negative things earlier, I think about his adaptation, but I mean, I just don't think it's, it's not a pause. I mean, I feel like I'm not going to go on too long about it, but it's, it's really not a a book that's possible to make to, if, if, look, if you were going to make, uh, you know, the jungle book by Yodier Kipling into an actual movie, it would be not to say the book's not great. It would not be a watchable or fun movie to watch. Sure. So, uh, I'm fine with them homaging it. I'm glad they didn't go. And I worry a little bit about the Jungle Book Origins or whatever is next year is going to be a little bit of that because mm-hmm. it's just it it's not it's it's not that it's unfilmable. It's just like it's so it's so dark that it only kind of works in in book form. It would be weird. Like Disney didn't ruin it by Disneyfying it. If that makes not sense. at all. Totally. And, and yeah. I I've heard some negative things about the musical numbers. I think that's such a great break from. The action, yeah. the seriousness of this, it lets this movie not take itself too seriously and still yeah. kind of gives it the Disney vibe. And you said, like, it doesn't feel like we're stopping down for a song like we would in a normal Disney movie. It feels yeah. kind of like it flows with the story enough to where it's not completely mm-hmm. jarring or taking you out of the experience. Yeah. I, I think if little... they would have done one more music break, I would have started to feel like, okay, like, uh, you know, yep, let's, yep. Do, let's get this going. I think they hit it straight on the head. You have to have 
Baloo singing Bear Necessities. That's a that's an iconic classic moment, and they did it perfectly. They just do, kind of they like a kind low of cool key version of it. Yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. And did you catch later? I think it's when he spoiler alert when when Mowgli saves the the baby elephant. There was a the score was was the Bear Necessities, just yeah. an instrumental version, a very light version. And I was like, nah, that, that's dope. That was really cool. And I like I said, I liked the way they did the King Louis song and just kind of had it talk song and that was that was i don't know it worked it was fine it wasn't the best moment but it was fine it, i thought it was a good way to incorporate that into they the, into made the- a good choice and i didn't think it was cheesy when when the reveal of of king louis is pretty cool yeah i think it's yeah. like kind of a king kong-esque i think i thought felt like it was kind of an homage to kong like when sure. they put kong as the sac i mean uh what's your name and Darrow as a uh, sacrifice to Kong, and he kind of reveals himself for the first time. It's a very sure. similar feeling here. And I like that they made him a gigantopithecus instead of just an orangutan. That was, mm-hmm. a, that was a good choice. That was cool. But uh, I like the reveal of the cowbell, how that, he kind of comes yeah. out after the cowbell. Yeah. That's kind of a joke for the <laughs> SNL fans and walking yeah. and everything. That was funny. Yeah, that was strong. But we have another comment. Uh, from not Michael on Twitter, he says he's disappointed because it was successful, although it was good. I think uh, this is sending Disney the wrong message. They should just remake everything they can now, which might lead to a lot of unoriginality. But again, this is still a good movie. Maybe sending the wrong message to Disney. We're going to see a lot more of these. We're already getting Peach Dragon this year. Right. And we're getting Beauty and the Beast and Little Mermaid in the in the years to come. Yeah. So... uh Beauty and the Beast starring Emma Watson and Little Mermaid with Chloe Grace Moretz, thankfully. So, yeah, that's but Beauty and the Beast got a lot of f bombs. <laughs> so yeah. it seems like yeah. with Disney, I mean, they've got animation, they've got Star Wars, they've got Marvel, and they've got remakes of old Disney movies. Like that's yeah, pretty, that's where they're going. Yeah. Pretty lucrative. You know what else though. they have? Yeah, a lot of cash. I was going to say, yeah. yeah. And they That's can say, like. you know what? You're not doing original stuff. Well, every Marvel movie they do is an original movie. Every Star Wars they do is going to be an original story. You know what I mean? Like, they are doing well, it. Yeah. And last year, they spent $200 million on an original movie, and it was Tomorrowland, and everybody hated it. So, you know, like, I, I'm, with, uh, I'm with our listener there. Like, I would like for Disney, I would like for them once a year to carve out a space on the calendar for a 50 to 100 million dollar budget original Disney film. Yeah. Yeah. You know, something they tried it. They've done it with John Carter and stuff. I I get it. I know. And they mishandled both of those. Well, they mishandled John Carter horribly. And I think, I think Tomorrowland just got caught up in the, the Lindelof of it all. Yeah. I was going to say, if you make Tomorrowland 10 times, I feel like it's really good. Eight of those. Yeah, totally. I, I think, I think the deal is what I would like Disney, what I would like to see Disney do is say, I mean, obviously you can't come out and say this, but ba- behind the scenes, say we make so much freaking money with these uh, with these properties that we're just cranking out two or three or four a year in all these different universes and franchises. Once a year, we can spend a hundred million dollars to take a chance on an original film from an original filmmaker and just see what happens. That's what I would like to see happen. I don't think that's I don't think they're going into each year hoping that they. Let me rephrase that. I I don't think. I don't think they're looking to take that kind of chance on a regular basis. I wish that they would because they make so much money that you'd like them to be able to, you know, 
All right, we're going to throw one out here and see what happens. It didn't work. Okay, well, guess what? Thor 17 made $800 million, so we're fine, you know? Yeah, and you couldn't blame them for going that route. I mean, I mean, it's they're printing money at this point. And, totally. Uh, I would yeah. do the same thing. We have a comment from Bailey on Twitter that says, Neil Sethi is going to be a star one day. It's one of my favorite performances this year and my favorite movie so far of 2016. We had another cool. comment that says, Neil Sethi ruined what would otherwise be a great movie. <laughs> so two sides This is what credit. happens if you do anything creative yeah. uh, in the yeah. world. Two people, two very nice, smart people will have complete opposite opinions. Sure. Yeah, I think I fall kind of in the middle on that. There were, like, yeah. I, like I yeah. mentioned earlier, there were some cringy moments, but I think his chemistry with the animals was good. I think his he was great with Bill Murray. There was good chemistry there. I think him... His scenes with the wolves were very good. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think Favreau got all he could out of this kid. I mean, you're not going to yeah. find anyone better for this role that fits the exact what you're looking for in, a, in Mowgli, you know? I mean, there are right. only, you can only look so many places for this right. character without a It's hard to do what they asked that kid to do for an experienced actor, let alone for a kid, you know? So, yeah, he's yeah. acting with tennis balls mostly. Right. I thought, I thought right. some of this stuff, man, with Mowgli running through the jungle up and down the trees with him and Bagheera, like, running the yeah. course or whatever at the beginning and end. I thought that was unbelievable. Like, I don't know how they, they must have set up some kind of course, a complete green screen with, you know, ramps and stuff and had the kid just run up and down and fill it in with trees. I don't know how, you know, yeah. some of that stuff was accomplished. But again, looking forward to seeing the special features. Definitely. We, we have King of Naps on Twitter. He says the lack of nudity was really disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you obviously he didn't stay for the post credit <laughs> oh gosh king louis <laughs> all right but i was gonna say and, and idris uh, you know idris yeah he he was the king of the jungle uh nice. we have ian who says the stampede scene was awesome and uh, Ooh, now yeah. they can make a live action lion king and call it hamlet <laughs> That one that did remind me of the Lion King, the wildebeest uh kind yeah. of sequence there. I thought that was uh again Dude another... the fight sequences between yeah. Bagheera and Shere Khan were A awesome and B way better than anything in Batman v Superman, which is really weird, uh, since that's what the entire film was based on. But to uh, Ian's I point was super impressed by those. Yeah. To Ian's point. If they make a Lion King, like eventually guys are just going to run out of movies to remake and then they're going to be forced yeah. to do something and they're going to remake right. the remakes. I mean, how many more of these yeah. they have left? So they're doing Beauty and the Beast, Little Mermaid. So they got to do the Lion King, Pocahontas, Mulan. And then we're back at the Chick- 2000s. Chicken Little. And we're Chicken not, Little, obviously. We're not, we're not doing Treasure Planet, the live action. <laughs> or, Can't wait for the Black Cauldron. Yeah. What about the one with, um, with uh, Rick Moranis and Dave, what's his name? The Canadian bear one. It's like Big Brother or something. No, brother yeah, Brother Bear. Brother Bear. Brother bear. Starring nice uh, Chris Walken is in Brother Bear. But well, crossover. Guess, guess we're not uh, remaking Atlantis, The Lost Empire, which I would like to see a live-action <laughs> version of. Michael J. Fox Gosh. may be returning. Late 90s through early, mid-2000s Disney animation is really rough. It's Until really Princess rough. and the Frog, it kind of like, that was yeah. like, it, it got like slightly tank. better. Than, yeah. yeah. It was rough, yeah. So John, so John Lasseter came on board. John Manasco on Twitter says it's about as good of a Jungle Book of movie, about as good of a Jungle Book movie as you can make. My only criticism would be 
I'd like to see a little bit more practical effects. He gives it an eight out of ten. Okay. Would you? Yeah, uh, I get that. I no. This I, is one of the few where I think you. Yeah. If you're going to do uh, CGI and mocap and all that, a this is probably the right property to do it with. And B, my my biggest thing is if you're going to do that, if you're going to go that direction, you just have to do it really well. And boom, we got it. You know, they they made it. John Favreau made it work so stinking well to where you kind of forgot you were looking at not a real panther half the time. Exactly. And the last comment we have is from Jason Luciana. He says, The Jungle Book was stunning, a huge cinematic achievement with great performances. And I think uh, that's just about right. This is a... I think this maybe even blew Disney away. Like, yeah, yeah, John Favreau, you're good. You've done Iron Man. You set up Marvel for us. Uh, Yeah, I give you The Jungle Book. And like, this is... This is about as good of a family movie as you can make. I mean, I'm not even kidding. I mean, this yeah, is totally. You could take your kids, take your grandma. You could. I would see this again by myself. Right. You know, even uh, I really. Yeah, this yeah. is this is live action Pixar stuff. Really, is what we're what we're kind of getting here. Like, this is what a live action movie done by Pixar looks like. I think. Absolutely. So the bar is set high for me. Whoa. This is going to be. <laughs> I mean, this did well with critics and audiences alike. Uh, be hard. I mean, Pete's Dragon has a cool trailer, and Bryce Dallas Howard is great, and you know there are elements of that that could her. be fun. Uh, sure. But it's not really a huge property. Yeah, uh, Jungle exactly. Book is huge. I think yeah. Beauty and the Beast with Emma Watson is going to be a hundred fifty or two hundred million dollar opening yeah. weekend. It's going to be huge, huge. And I got great buzz at whatever was it? Cin- I don't think it was cin- maybe a CinemaCon. The last couple of weeks, something happened where uh-huh. they they showed a little a little trailer for that, and it it, it did quite well. And the Little Mermaid, I'm more skeptical on just because it's yeah. underwater, and I don't know how you'll do that. And Mis- we'll see. Miscast. miscast. And a miscast is Ariel. Yeah. Stop. Stop putting her in movies. She's <laughs> Eventually, she's going to be like 28, and no one's going to. Ha- she's not going to have that teenage charm or anything anymore. And I was totally wrong on her. I thought she was going to be a great, great actress for years yeah. to come, and not, not so much, buddy. Not at all. Those child <laughs> actors, they fall. You off. never know. Never know who, what you're gonna get. Who who's the best? Is it Abigail Breslin? Is it Dakota Fanning? Who is? None of them have Jake, really. Jake Lloyd, obviously. It's got to yeah. be Leo, right? Is oh, Leo you. with yeah. Is Leo the heavyweight champion of that of that uh, genre? I guess so. Yeah, that, that, I I accept that. Yeah, ScarJo kind of Kirsten Dunst. Yeah. maybe. she's done good Kirsten stuff Dunst, too. Yeah. Yeah. And Elijah Wood stuff as a kid, or just yeah, Joaquin did a little some stuff as a kid, mostly his brother. But Elijah Wood and Jake Gyllenhaal have done good stuff as well. They were yeah, it's true. Sort of younger actors. I forget and, uh, how young Jake Gyllenhaal is. Joseph Gordon-Levitt, uh, maybe. Yeah, that's true. That's a good one. Flap your arms, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. It could happen. Macaulay Culkin, no. <laughs> all right, so let's hit grades, guys. That's all I got um, on this one. I'm gonna give this a solid A. Really enjoyed it. Might see it again. And I did see it in 3D and enjoyed it immensely it was in 3D. Awesome. It was awesome 3D. And uh, might see it again in the IMAX. So, Brian, what's your grade? Hey, go with you, Kent. Maybe we'll have a date. Let's do it. <laughs> go ahead. You guys always leave me out of your date nights. On uh, yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go with you. I'm, I'm going A. Uh, might be my favorite movie of the year thus far. It's early, I know, but might be at this point, might be my favorite. Strong movie. Richard. You guys ready? A plus. Wow. Boom. Wow. Even with it being in the woods? 
Well, I like the jungle. I don't like the wood. There's a distinct difference. Yeah, I'm with you, Brian. The kind of cutesy stuff and the little monkeys, the forcing in the monk. I mean, the monkey. Anything with monkeys is great. It can't. You can't. Can't be wrong. Cute, the stuff that kind of panders to the sub four year old audience and Richard yeah. lost me. That's where it right. went from yeah. a plus yeah. to a a. Uh, you know what was a great scene though involving was the when the monkeys steal him and and throw him through the trees yeah. for I I thought immediately of Indiana Jones four with the the monkeys attacking Shia LaBeouf and mm-hmm. as much as I like to pretend that movie didn't happen that's such a terrible terrible scene and um I would I th- for me that's kind of where this movie really took a turn as far as just like a filmmaking standpoint because. That scene had so much weight to it, and that shouldn't be possible. You should not be able to do that scene and have it feel like it was really shot. You know what I mean? Like it was a real thing that was happening, and him yeah. coming away with scratches and bumps and bruises and stuff like that's that's attention to detail. The scene where he shoots out of the trees and comes back through the trees, and you can like feel the trees hit him mm-hmm. is really that. I think for me that was like the moment of like, okay, this is this is a really strong filmmaking technique sort of movie in addition to being so, you know, enjoyable and fun. Sure. So there you go. Jungle book, uh, three A's across the board. Triple A certified. Hey, what's up, ma'am, fam, Kent here. And yes, if you're hearing from me, you know, it's time to talk about blue apron. If you haven't tried out blue apron by now, what the heck are you even doing? Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. They deliver fresh meals straight to your door. All the food is fresh. It's sourced from local farms. And there's no wasted ingredients. I've been a Blue Apron subscriber for a long time now. And they have still, to this day, never let me down. There's tons of variety. Some featured upcoming meals include summer vegetable and egg paninis, soy glazed pork and rice cakes, skillet vegetable chili with cheddar drop biscuits, holy crap, and garlic butter shrimp and corn with green bean salad. So take it from me. Try out Blue Apron now. Go to blueapron.com slash mad. That's blueapron.com slash mad. Get three meals on us for free. Nothing goes better with a movie than dinner. So check out Blue Apron, blueapron.com slash mad. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. So let's uh, hit a recommend, guys. Weekly recommends. Richard, I understand you saw a documentary now. That's, you knew that was going to be my recommend. <laughs> Plowed through it all this weekend and uh, finally got to it, and it is the best thing I've ever seen. And I love it so much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's, what are some highlights for you? Um, my three favorites are um, the drones episode is great. The vice That's the right. vice parody. Yeah. Um, which is unbelievably funny. Um, and then the eye in the sky, which is like the, um, Errol Morris style, like murder, um, uncovering investigative documentary one where it's just so clear that Bill Hader set this guy up for murder, but, but none of the police people (laughs) believe it. Um, it's just obvious from like the first second. Um, it's and then obviously the Eagles documentary parody, the two part of that ends the season is is brilliant. It's mm-hmm. check out Netflix if you're it's it's pretty funny, but if you've seen any documentary, it's the funniest thing ever. And like, as a, someone who's done a little bit of comedic acting, like the Jedi level that both these guys are at in like yeah. both 
both insane skill but also just crazy nuance is is unbelievable and uh the way they perfectly tonally get these documentaries down is 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 great the gray gardens one is funny um that one's so like inside baseball though it's weird that that's the first one but it's it's still funny um but yeah can't what were some of your favorites now that we've talked about it a little bit you named them i just wanted to reaffirm the uh blue jean committee because talk about jedi acting there's a moment where they're kind of performing live and it's kind of all one take and they basically perform the whole song and fred armison kind of starts a freestyle at the end like vocally yes. you know and <laughs> and it, i'm not going to give it away because it's like laugh out loud oh my gosh but but hater just starts to break like in the background you can kind of see him start to yeah. start to laugh and i mean like Armisen's even ahead of Hater on oh, I that agree. kind of stuff. Like he can like, stay Armisen, in character so well. <laughs> and like Hater's so funny and he's he's laugh out loud hysterical. But Armisen is like you almost don't know if he's doing a joke. Like he's so committed oh, yeah. and so nuanced. Um his like like I was I think I was telling Brian about it. I was trying to sell Brian on it earlier today and I was like dude, the thing about it is like think about it in um in the Bujin Committee one, like Hater does that Chicago accent, and it's like so funny the way he does it. It's like this real jerky Italian, uh, like uh, Chicago accent. But Armisen's is just like heartbreakingly real. Like it's yeah. just like the saddest, <laughs> most pathetic. Like I'm a sausage guy. Like I like, <laughs> like, and the whole the uh, you know, it, oh god, it's just it's it was so kind of. I mean, I knew it would be great. I just didn't get IFC to watch it so i had right. to wait for netflix and but like it was so undersold like how incredible it is i feel and like hater I, can give you a character in like minute spurts you know but yeah armison can stay in character for like four <laughs> days you know <laughs> or whatever he's doing like 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 i think hater puts think it on when they say armison, action but yeah you think armison one. has any clue who he really is no there's no way like, he's not a yeah he's, he's just been lost in the fred armison character for so long it's not even his real name i mean it's he's just not, he's not doing the seth meyer show anymore is he i don't know i hope who it's such a waste even, of that yeah i think hey, yeah I, I, I can tell you one thing i'm not gonna find out <laughs> that yeah. band is, is that... that band was terrible I know, they sound like a middle school talent show. I mean, they're the worst late night band I've ever heard. It's they're literally horrible. just bar chords. It's just like yeah. <laughs> and the drummer is like trying out to be Meg White. Like she's not even yeah. that at that level. Yeah. <laughs> oh god. It's bad. But Brian, you have to watch the documentary now. Like I know Whoa. you have a kid and a job, but quit and leave your kid. <laughs> And watch it ASAP. Sorry, Coop. Daddy's got to go watch a documentary. <laughs> but the drones one, gosh, kid. Yeah. It's like perfectly spoofs yep. that whole like these journalists that like they, the only thing they have is that they're not afraid of death. <laughs> but they, they don't have yeah. any other journalis- journalistic skills. Like they're just not. All they have is yeah. a camera and no fear of death. And that's it. And it just <laughs> destroys them so much. Oh, God. So, Documentary Now is on Netflix, by the way. It so, is. speaking of documentaries, I want to recommend one that you'll like. And it's called Iverson. Have you all seen the Iverson doc yet? No, yes. but I can't wait. Yeah, the, sh- the one that's on Showtime? Yeah, yeah. And I watched awesome. this uh, when I was out of town at a hotel and sat down. It was on Showtime, watched the whole thing, and didn't even know this was coming out. It came out in 2014. 
and uh, just got added to Netflix this past week. But Life and Times of Allen Iverson, one of the more controversial NBA players. And I'm not a huge NBA fan, but he's been one of my favorite players ever. And uh, loved what he stood for, and I loved his game. And uh, it's just a really interesting documentary about his rise to fame and his upbringing and his controversial time in the NBA and how he tried to stay on a team for a long time and nobody would take him. And I mean, you, you guys are going to love it. If you guys like Dirk doc, which, which we yeah. talked, we talked Dirk doc on this show, but uh, it's up to that level. And uh, it's about a great player, Iverson. So that's on Netflix as well. Uh, don't, Iverson. You don't have to sell us on Iverson. We love Iverson. Yeah, I still no, wear my Iverson. Uh, I still wear my Iverson Reeboks every day. Like nice. <laughs> 20 years dedicated. Nice. No. Uh, Talk about someone, you know, talk about someone that should do some voice acting. Iverson has one of the best voices ever. <laughs> what do you think? a Pixar movie? Oh, yeah. We ain't definitely. talking about the game. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's still so iconic. The... Yeah. The, Not the a game, road. which yeah. I die for, which I go right. out and give everything for. Not a game. Yeah. Oh, gosh. I love me some Alan Iverson. They do a great. There's no one. I mean, there's about there's 10 no one minutes. Like Alan Iverson. There's about 10 minutes in the doc just about that. Uh, moment in his career, the we ain't talking about the game, uh, moment. Yeah, we talk but about practice. Good, yeah, we talk about practice, man. Uh, <laughs> all right. So that's my recommend is Iverson on Netflix. Awesome, Brian. Uh, I'm gonna recommend a book because apparently I can read. Uh, I listened to a book called The War for Late Night by Bill Carter. Mm. It's about the Conan O'Brien, Jay Leno spat in 2000, what was it, 10, 2010, 2009? 2009, 2010, okay. somewhere in there. Yeah. Tonight Show shenanigans in which NBC screwed over American Treasure. Conan O'Brien and kicked him off the air and, uh, or, or forced, or made him uh, reconsider his, his options anyway. Awesome book. I loved, I loved Bill Carter's presentation. Uh, he did an astounding job of giving you the information kind of comment free and just like letting you be the judge of who the bad guy is in this whole situation made out Jay Leno to be kind of a sympathetic figure through a li- at least more sympathetic than I had given him credit for in the past. I think um, definitely kind of reinvigorated my, my love, my longtime love for, for Conan O'Brien and uh, a lot of that, inside stuff that I did not know. Does so Kimmel come off great too in that book? Kimmel was great. I mean, the whole, what I would think was more impressive than anything else, what I was more surprised by anyway, was the, not necessarily tangents, but that he took time to, to spend full chapters on Kimmel and Letterman and, uh, and even like Craig Ferguson and mm-hmm. pretty much anybody who had a late night show uh, between 2005 and 2012 gets some, some time and some coverage in the book. And that, man, it's, it's really well written. It's an easy listen if you, if you can That's get the audio. Yeah. Yeah. Very well read. And it's, it's only like 10 hours long. And, uh, man, I, I loved it. It was, I've been wanting to read the book for a long time and just haven't had the time to to really sit down and do it. So, uh, last week had a lot of, uh, a lot of work to do where I had headphones in the whole time and out on the, on the field, getting stuff ready for soccer. And, uh, man, it was, it's a great book. I cannot recommend it highly enough. If you're at all interested in, uh, not just, uh, those, those, uh, gentlemen, Conan and, and Leno and all those or even if you're just interested in late night sort of shows or just the TV business as a whole cannot recommend it highly enough it's it's a great book or for late night I'm gonna have to get that on audible it's awesome you man you love, love it. it yeah all right where can we find you online Brian 
You can find me on the Twitter at BGill12, and you can find my writing at madaboutmoviespodcast.com. Richard, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at Richard Barton. You can find me on Yahtzee at RB13. At Buttslammer. <laughs> and you can find me. Rest in peace. I wonder what happened to it. And you can find me at richardbarton.com. Kent, where can I find you? On Twitter at Kent Garrison. And find our show online at madaboutmoviespodcast.com. Every single episode we've done is archived on the website because only our most recent 100 show up on iTunes and the podcast feeds. So if you uh, want to support the show, you can do so by buying a T-shirt on our website or donating the amount of your choosing. Just click the donate yeah. button. And uh, until next time, we'll see you at the cinema. Bye. Goodbye. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Toss salad and scrambled eggs. And maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe, but I got you pegged. <laughs> but I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. Scrambled eggs all over my face. They're making me ya-ya. Your salads and scrambled eggs.